Hello listeners, welcome to another episode. This is going to be the sixth episode and in this one we are going to see how to read. I've prepared this episode for you thinking about how could you improve your speaking skill through reading. That's it because reading is a powerful skill when it comes to augmenting your vocabulary, right? So, I teach you in this one how you should be reading when preparing to improve your speaking skill, when preparing to take a speaking test as the IELTS test is, right? So, I hope you all enjoy. The video of this episode is going to be available on YouTube and on Instagram, okay? Without further ado, let's get started. You're listening to Blimey Cast. For more information, videos and content, check my Instagram profile, Blimey English. Hello everyone and welcome to another video. Reading is the most powerful skill when it comes to augmenting your vocabulary, strengthening your vocabulary, right? And that's what you need to become a better speaker, right? In order to reach advanced levels of speaking, you need to have a vast range and a strong vocabulary. And that's what we're going to see today. Right? That's what we're going to learn how to do. I have chosen a book, a very special book, which is this one here, Bazaar of Bad Dreams by Stephen King. This one has many short stories, but, and I have chosen one of them, but we're not going to read the whole story today. Although I'm thinking about starting a new series of videos with that activity, but in this one, we are going to read this, just the introduction that the author made, right? And then I will teach you how to pick up new words in order to study them later on, okay? And I hope you all enjoy. Let's get started. Okay, so we're about to start the reading activity. This chapter we are going to read, I mean this introduction for the chapter is Stephen King explaining how he finds the linking situations to his stories, right? Let's get started. Sometimes this story arrives complete a done thing. Usually, though, they come to me in two parts. First the cup, then the handle. Because the handle might not show up for weeks, months, or even years, I have a little box in the back of my mind full of unfinished cups, each protected in that unique mental packing we call memory. You can't go looking for a handle, no matter how beautiful the cup may be. You have to wait for it to appear. I realize that metaphor sort of sucks, but when you're talking about the process we call creative writing, most of them do. I have written fiction all my life and still have very little understanding of how the process works. Of course, I don't understand how my liver works either, but... 
But as long as it keeps doing his job, doing its job, I'm good with that. About six years ago, I saw a near miss. I saw a near miss accident at a busy intersection in Sarasota. A cowboy driver tried to wedge his Bigfoot truck, the kind with the huge tires, into a left turn lane already occupied by another Bigfoot truck. The guy whose space was being encroached. The guy whose space was being encroached upon hit his horn. There was a predictable screech of brakes and the two gas guzzling behemoths. Ended up inches apart. The guy in the turn lane unrolled his window and raised one finger to the blue Florida sky in a salute that is as American as baseball. The fellow who had almost hit him returned a greeting along with a thousand chest thump that presumably meant, Do you want a piece of me? Then the light turned green or the drivers began to honk and they went on their way with no physical confrontation. The incident got me thinking about what might have happened if the two drivers had emerged from their vehicles and started ducking it out right there on the Tamiami Trail. Not an unreasonable imagining. Road rage happens all the time. Unfortunately, it happens all the time. It's not a recipe for a good story. Yet, that near accident stuck with me. It was a cup with no handle. A year or so later, while eating lunch in an Applebee's with my wife, I saw a man in his fifties cutting up an elderly gent's chopped steak. He did it carefully, while the elderly gent stared vacantly over his hat. At one point, the old guy seemed to come around a little and tried to grab the utensils, presumably so he could attend his own meal. The younger man smiled and shook his hat. The elderly gent let go and resumed his staring. I decided they were father and son and that it was the handle for my road rage cup. Okay, that was good, wasn't it? What you find, what you think, what you reckon. Now we are going to start analyzing the words we picked up. Because did you notice what I did? While reading, I go ticking, I go undermarking some words that can be new for you, for your students. But if you're doing that, you need to mark the words that you think you don't know, that you think are difficult for you, right? I mark the words I'm thinking it might be a bit um, unusual for you, so we can analyze them all right now. But when you're reading, 
you need to mark the words you find difficult or tricky. Alright? And what we're going to do right now is to analyze each of those words, right? Which is what you must do after reading. So let's say that you have set up a routine of 15 minutes of reading, right? Every single day, you go pick a book and start reading for 15 minutes, at least, I'd say that. And then, after finishing your routine, your reading routine, you need to come back and look at those new words you found, right? Because then, you're going to understand the meaning, the collocation, the position they are used, they are often used, okay? And then, eventually, when you're combining the other skills, and by other skills, I mean listening and speaking, then you will, oh, that's how we use that expression. Oh, that's how we use that word. Oh, that's how natives put the words inside the speech. All right? So, let's get to it. Okay, now let's see the words we have marked and the expressions we have marked, right? Because, again, after reading, you need to come back and check for the meaning of the words and expressions you found out, right? So, the first one we had here is a done thing. So, the phrase back in the book was, sometimes a story arrives complete a done thing. So, a done thing is something that is suitable to do. It's already suitable to do. It's like um, a ready thing, right? What you are expected to do in a social situation, for example. You could say, don't forget to shake hands. It's the done thing, you know. So, that would be the right thing to do, as he was saying in the story. Sometimes a story arrives to his mind, a complete done thing. Something ready, something that he should use the way it is, okay? Then we can move to the next one, handle. So, handle is a part of an object designed for holding, moving or carrying the object easily. For example, I can't pick the cup up, the hand is too hot. So, the handle would be that piece, that part of the piece, at which you grab in order to move it or carry it, okay? Another example would be, she turns the handle and slowly opens the door. The handle of the door, right? But back there, he was telling a metaphor, right? He was telling a story to illustrate another thing. And that would be, he was talking about how sometimes his stories come as a cup without the handle. And sometimes... He just got the handle and not the cup. And then, after a while, he finds another story, he finds another situation, and they say, oh, that's the handle, or that's the cup. And then he is able to link the story, right? Let's go see the next one. Either. Either. So, this one, you can pronounce either or either. You're going to say, you're going to hear both ways, right? The phrase in the book was, I don't understand how my liver works either, but as long as it keeps doing its job, I'm good with that. So that was the phrase. Now, the meaning either is used in negative sentences instead of also or to. For example, I don't eat meat 
and my husband doesn't either. And that means, and my husband doesn't too, or doesn't also, right? That would be the meaning of it. Another example could be, I'm not allowed another piece of cake. So you're not either. So you're not too, you're not also, right? So back there in the phrase, he said, I don't understand how my liver works either, how my liver works too, but as long as it keeps doing its job, I'm okay with that, I'm good with that. So this is quite a good word for you to use during your test and in your speech, right? Learn how to use this word well because that's a good one for you to use, right? Again, it's used in negative sentences instead of also or to, okay? Let's move to the next one. A near miss. Or you could also hear this as a near thing, okay? So a near thing, the phrase he used in the book was I saw a near-miss accident. So a near thing is a situation in which something bad almost happens, right? I'll give you two examples. A Boeing 747 was involved in a near-miss with a private aircraft. So a near-miss would be something bad that almost happens. Back in the story, back in the book, he was telling about a near-miss accident involving two Bigfoot trucks, right? And another example would be, there was a near miss, we must come within an inch out of the truck. So, it was close, it was really, really close to happen, right? That's the meaning of it. Let's go see the next one. Wedge. Wedge. So, this one can be a noun or can be a verb, right? So, the phrase in the book was, a cowboy tried to wedge his Bigfoot truck. So, to wedge means to put something into a very small or narrow space so that you cannot move easily. So, he tried to wedge his Bigfoot truck. There was a truck on the lane and he tried to wedge his truck on the lane. So, he tried to put it into a very small or narrow space. That's it. And I give you two other examples. The first one is, her shoe came off and got wedged between the bars. So her shoe, let's imagine his bars and the shoe, he got wedged. So he couldn't move in between the bars, right? Another example would be, I was standing waiting for a bus, wedged between two old ladies and their bags of shopping. So I was like, I'm wedged. <laughs> okay. Then we can move to the next one. Encroached. Encroached. So the phrase was, the guy whose space was being encroached, that was the word back in the book. So to encroach means to advance gradually beyond usual or acceptable limits. So if you were encroaching somebody, you were growing towards them, passing your limits, right? So, another example would be farmers encroached on forest land to grow crops. That means they are gradually advancing through the forest, right? Another example would be these devices are encroaching on people's privacy. So, you see, 
is taking more than expected space, right? It's taking more than expected room on people's privacy. It's passing the limit, right? That's the meaning of it. Another one, squeech. A predictable screech of brakes. That was the phrase back in the book. So, a predictable screech of brakes. Screech is an unpleasant, a loud and high noise. For example, the car screeched to a halt. A halt is uh, stand still, when you quickly stop, right? The car screeched to a halt. That means, when you, you know when you hear that, that sound, it's a loud and high-pitched sound, from the, the tires of the car, the rubber on the asphalt, that's the name we, we give to that sound. Okay, the next one, gas guzzling behemoth. So I'm going to approach this one here in two parts because the expression back in the book was the two gas guzzling behemoths. That was the phrase back in the book. So gas guzzler is a car that uses a lot of fuel, right? Cars that uses a lot of petrol. Petrol is the British word for gas, which is a short word for gasoline, right? So gas guzzler car, right? That's it. Um, behemoth is something that is extremely large and often extremely powerful. So he was talking about those Bigfoot trucks, right? They are immense, enormous. They are behemoth, right? That's it. It's a noun, right? Behemoth. It's not an adjective. Behemoth is something that is immense. It could be even used to describe a big and powerful company, right? Okay, let's move to the next one. End up. So the phrase back in the book was the two gas guzzling behemoths ended up inches apart. That was the phrase back there in the book. And you see, here we start to see, we start to pay attention and the pattern, right? Every time you find an expression or a word like that, you don't stop reading to go check the meaning. Because if you do that, you're probably going to spend hours and hours trying to read a book, right? Or a chapter or even some pages of it, right? What is best for you is just mark the words or mark the expression and then keep on with your reading activity so you cannot miss the flow, right? And you cannot lose track of it. And then after it, after finishing, you come back and then now we start checking the words meanings, the expressions meanings, and then, oh, now I see the the meaning of it, now it makes sense. And then you might even go back and check it into the book and confirm what you have learned, right? So end up means to finally be in a particular place or situation. To finally be in a particular place or situation. For example, much of this meat will probably end up as dog food. It means that it finally will be dog's food, right? Another example would be if he continues doing that, he might end up losing money. He might, at the end, find himself losing money, right? So, in the book, 
The phrase was the two gas guzzling behemoths ended up inches apart. That means that the two Bigfoot trucks, they remember the what he was saying, right? The two Bigfoot trucks were driving and one of them tried to wedge onto the other one's front and then they ended up inches apart. Then you see what I mean? They ended up just inches apart. It was a near thing. See? Okay, let's go to it. Let's go see the next one. Honk. Honk. So, a honk is a short, loud sound, oftentimes produced by cars. You know, when you are driving and then you press the horn of your car and say, bah, bah, that would be a honk, right? For example, he gave us a honk on his horn as he drove off. He was driving, he was driving off, living, and then bah, bah, that was a honk, right? Then let's go see the next one. Gent. Gent. Do you remember the phrase of this one in the book? He was cutting up an elderly gent chopped steak. So he was cutting a piece of steak, a chopped steak, that belongs to someone else, but someone elder. So elder is someone with more age than you. But we don't say older if the person belongs to your family, right? We say elder. So then we find out that it's actually used for relatives, right? He was cutting up an elderly gent chopped steak. And gent means a gentleman. It's just another word for gentleman, right? He was cutting up an elderly gentleman's chopped steak, right? And I need to say that in British English, if you say simply the gents, it refers to a man's public restroom, right? Oh, I need to go to gents. If you are in a bar or in a pub, you might say something that, or you might even hear something like that, right? Okay, let's move on. Come around. Come around. So the old guy seemed, that was the phrase, the old guy seemed to come around a little. So to come around has a very common meaning, which is to visit someone in their home. I can say to you, for example, oh, just come around tonight. But in that case, in that context, it has another meaning. And that would be to become conscious again. To become conscious again. For example, uh, the old guy seemed to come around a little. That means that older person, that old gentleman, was, remember he was just staring? That, that was what you were saying, right? He was just staring over his hat, over the other guy's hat, right? He was just staring like that. And then he seemed to come around a little. He could be like this. See? He became conscious again. That would be the meaning of it, right? And the end. We have come to the end of the words and expressions. And I hope you get the gist of it. The gist is the main idea, the general idea of what to do when you're reading, right? What you need to do when you're practicing your reading skill, right? 
So another thing I wanted to say to you is the key here is to have consistency, right? It's not worth it if you read a book, an entire book, or some pages today and then do anything else for days or even weeks or months. It's not worth it, right? You need to do every single day, right? Even if it is just a bit, but if you do it every single day, that would be a habit and habits have power, right? There's no other way of you improving and augmenting your reading skill and consequently your speaking skill if you don't do that, right? Because studying is something that no one is going to do for you. And no one is going to do for you because they simply cannot do it for you, right? You are the one responsible for your own improvement here, right? And it's not, um, you cannot see this as a shortcut because there is no shortcut here, right? You can learn one trick here, another trick there, but eventually, I mean, at the end of all of this, you will need practicing your reading skill in order to improve your other skills. So I hope you have enjoyed this one. And I see you in the next videos. Cheers! You've listened to Blimey Cast. To see my full content, check my Instagram profile, Blimey.